DiscerningHearts.com presents The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. Father Wick is the Jesuit priest of the central and southern province of the United States. He currently acts as a retreat master at the White House Jesuit Retreat Center in St. Louis, Missouri. He also serves as a spiritual director at Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis. The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Anthony, thank you once again for joining me. You're so welcome, Chris. We've been going into the heart of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, and there's a particular area I am just, I can't wait to hear your insights when it comes to the discernment of spirits as taught by St. Ignatius. Yes, this was a gift given to St. Ignatius for the sake of the whole church. He himself, it was an experiential gift as he learned how to discern good spirits and evil spirits working on him how to discern which ones were operative and where they led. And so that gift that he bequeathed to the church is absolutely critical to who he is as a saint and probably the the greatest gift that he did bequeath to the universal church. And it's meant for you and me to learn these rules, to begin applying them in our lives. They're incredibly liberating. They're incredibly liberating. And when you and I learn learn a facility with them, how to use these rules, how to discern how different spirits are working on us. It's an experience of freedom in the following of Jesus and a recognition of the trickeries and the subtle machinations of the evil spirit to get us off track because there is a vested interest in Satan getting us under his standard and Jesus calling us back to wholeness, to authenticity under his standard. So this is a fleshing out, if you will, of the two standards in terms of discerning those spirits, those that keep us close around Jesus' standard and those that actually distract us and lead us and get us off track where we're starting to fight for the wrong side or being distracted by the wrong side and not being the effective instrument of the spiritual battle that God would wish us to be. It's amazing, isn't it, that in the spiritual exercises that the rules for the discernment of spirits are really very simply laid out wouldn't you agree? Yes, I do think they're they're simply laid out and they're very accessible to any person who's living the spiritual life. Very accessible. I agree with that. And even as he gets to the second week of rules of discernment of spirit, so there's a the spiritual exercises are divided into four weeks. He gives two sets of rules. The first set applying more towards someone just beginning the the first week of the spiritual exercises and they're understanding themselves better. They're looking how sin works in their lives, how the evil spirit has deceived them along the way. And that's a step towards liberation. And then in the second week where you're beginning to contemplate the following of Jesus, you are entering the the kingdom meditation, rolling up your sleeves with Jesus, working with Jesus. Then the discernment gets a little more subtle, how the evil spirit first starts as an angel of light, but still leads towards his own damnable intentions. But even in the subtleties, I think your audience can can grasp these nuances without great difficulty. So where should we begin then in really beginning to grasp this? Because it, it, it's necessary, isn't it, even for the, the first entrance into the spiritual exercises to have this understanding? Yes. Probably a good entryway, Chris, would be that 
There are three sources of our thoughts, says St. Ignatius. One is the thought that I can have myself. Father Anthony has his own thought. Fine. There's also a thought that can be inspired by a good angel or the Holy Spirit, by God. And there's also another, a third source of thoughts, and that's from an evil angel, any demon, Satan, any dark spirit that's inspiring a thought, um, inspiring me in a direction. So, in other words, a negative or, or bad inspiration. So, he says at the very beginning of these discernment of spirits that he's going to give us these rules, which is like a measurement or guideline, literally from regula, rules for perceiving and knowing in some manner the different movements which are caused in the soul. And so those that have a good inspiration to receive them, to invite them in, and those that have a bad intention or lead us in the wrong direction to reject them. So we have that ability to discern, uh, to have a discerning heart. Is this coming from the right spirit or is it coming from the wrong spirit? If it's coming from the wrong spirit in my freedom, in your freedom, we can reject it. We can keep it out. We can recognize where this is leading. Maybe it's a temptation to a gossipy thought. And though I think I'm building a relationship with you as we're starting to talk negatively about someone, I recognize, oh, 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 this is, no, no, this is becoming gossipy, our conversation. So I recognize that there's a source of that thought that's leading me away from the praise, reverence, and service of God. So there's a freedom from the beginning that we can receive the inspirations of the good spirit and rid ourselves of the evil ones. So these are these are wisdom rules, and there are many rules throughout the spiritual exercises, but most of the rules are practical. These are more wisdom rules that St. Ignatius offers us. So he starts in a simple way saying that if you're going from one mortal sin to another, so any serious sin that's separating me from God, if a, if a soul is moving and is awash in one mortal sin after another, you can bet that the evil spirit, the way that spirit's going to work with that soul is going to be encouraging. And it's going to, he's going to encourage that soul to continue to follow this path of sensuality, vanity, and pride. Sensuality, love of creature comforts, vanity, undue concern about what others think of me, and pride, this overweening sense of self. If I'm on this dark path in one sin after another, especially mortal sin, the evil spirit's going to be a gentle influence in my life and cause me to keep imagining the essential pleasures or being liked by even more people or having more power over more people. And contrarily, the Holy Spirit in a soul like that is going to prick their conscience and help them hit rock bottom using reason that this is not working well, this is not good. So people often have the notion, Chris, that the Holy Spirit is always a gentle, peaceful influence, but that's not true. And St. Ignatius says it's not true. He says, no, the Holy Spirit, he'll cause a pricking of the conscience. He'll help us hit rock bottom. The, the Holy Spirit, St. John says in his gospel, uh, convicts us of sin. That's not a pleasurable experience, but it's, it's a good thing for me to hit rock bottom. Though, if I'm on the wrong path and I'm really being selfish in my thoughts, in my way of acting, it's a good thing the Holy Spirit will help convict me of that selfishness. Contrarily, if a soul is growing in life and virtue, as I imagine many of your listeners are, hopefully the vast majority, and they're rising in the service of God, they're entering in this gentle, gradual trajectory, if you will, of praising, reverencing, and serving God, well, of course, the Holy Spirit would be very encouraging and inspiring and encourage that soul to 
to move forward, whereas the evil spirit is going to do the opposite to get it off track because that soul is getting closer and closer and more faithful in following the standard of Jesus. And so the evil spirit will cause obstacles in my thought processes. He'll, he'll give me thoughts that sadden me. He'll give me false reasonings that get me off track. He'll disquiet my soul. It was, I'm growing in the spiritual life and feeling closer with the Lord. And then all of a sudden something will happen and I'll, I'll begin to despair. I'll begin to think it's all for naught. I'll begin to get down on myself. I'll begin to doubt that God was ever with me in the first place. So clearly those are pretty obvious rules that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us in the way upward. The evil spirit wants to encourage us in the way downward and vice versa. That they, they both are working at counteractions. Uh, so whether we're talking the Holy Spirit uh, or Satan or good angel, our guardian angel perhaps, or the evil angel, our guardian angels, for instance, are always leading us to a deeper praise, reverence, and service of God, leading us on that path towards cleansing, admitting my sin, going to confession, being more and more liberated, more and more free to serve others. So that's the initial just trajectory that I think is pretty clear and evident. Any questions on that, do you think, Chris? No, I just think it's important for us to recall for many of us who have a relationship and faith with God, and hopefully, you know, for those who have come to the point where they profess a creed, like for Catholics in particular, Christians, the Nicene Creed, we believe in things visible and invisible, don't we? And in many cases, if we're going to believe in the good then the counter to that is the bad. And we see that in Scripture often. We, we hear about the good, holy things, and yet we also hear about those spirits that have fallen, that are indeed evil. And so for us to be able to truly enter into a spiritual life, those visible and the invisible, we have to deal with those realities as well, don't we? Those temptations are what prove our, our love for God, that we are free creatures. We can choose to follow evil. We can choose to follow evil temptations, uh, selfish temptations, or we can choose to be other-centered. And so the history of salvation is riddled with exactly that, from the story of Adam and Eve onward, all through the, the chosen people. Are they going to follow God and what God wishes, this life of flourishing, or are they going to do their own thing and try to come up with a different way? And what will be the source of their inspiration? Are they going to fear what God can do? So, for instance, just to take one example from the Old Testament, when Moses sends the spies, the 12 spies, out of the spies, only two are faithful and tell the truth about what they're seeing there. God had already prepared this people disposed to, to give up the land of Canaan, but the others come back and create lies, and they're in fear, and they doubt that we can conquer these lands. So those 40 days that they're reconnoitering the land becomes 40 years of punishment for them because they're following the evil spirits. They don't trust God and they're listening to their fears and all these other uh, evil spirits. So throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, you'll see, frankly, Satan on every page, not to exaggerate his power, but simply that every day, every encounter with God or any force that's putting itself in opposition to God. So everyone has to make that free choice to follow Jesus, and you and I are frankly making that that free choice day after day. We have to re-choose this, this life of following. And yes, it does become habitual, but but even in the habitual nature of our lives, Chris, there's, there's still little subtle decisions. There's little ways of acting. There's ways of responding to people. There's ways of 
being judgmental in my way of thinking about someone and or not sensing how Jesus is perceiving that person. And I go back to my old way, ways of thinking and acting. So yes, it's an invitation towards freedom. And it's throughout the history of salvation that we're called to prove our love for God. We are free to choose or reject God. And so these temptations are exactly that. They're, they're apparent pleasures, and we just need to recognize them and keep them at bay, which we have every ability to do if we so choose. It can be really tough, especially as you're trying to grow in holiness and you feel that you are. Just that even the example that you gave, I'm sure many people kind of winced a bit when we think about speaking ill of others. And in some ways, we can justify it in our minds that, you know, we need to make aware to other people the situation of this person. It's a question oftentimes, isn't it? Do we really need to? Yes. And where did these thoughts lead? You'll know a tree by its fruit, says Jesus. And so what kind of fruit comes from that conversation? If I do gossip with you, Chris, about some other third-party person, maybe an important figure in the church or something, as we put down the phone after our conversation, whatever it be, like, what goes on in my soul there? Do I notice, do I feel myself close with the Lord after that? Or is there some sense of a proper guilt? Like, I don't know that that was a godly conversation. I feel like we connected, Chris and I connected, but over scapegoating a third party over the negative, almost giving, glorifying the negativity of or some other power figure or whatnot, undercutting them. And so you'll know a tree by its fruit. St. Ignatius experienced that from the beginning of his conversion, like desiring two good things, one to follow and imitate Francis and Dominic, wonderful, the possibility of religious life, the other to win the hand of a certain woman. Also very good, very healthy for a man to do so. But he noticed when those thoughts about winning the hand of the woman, they left him dry and dissatisfied because his ego got involved in that. It wasn't a truly selfless winning the hand of this woman in sacrifice and goodness. It was. It revolved a little bit around Ignatius. It was centered on him. He wanted to be a man's man for the women. And so he recognized by the fruits that the evil spirit had entered into his thought processes as he would go on for hours thinking about winning the hand of this woman, there was a lot of Ignatius in the middle there. He was kind of the center of of this show. This is the the beginning of his discernment of spirits to recognize, oh, wow, there's a whole other spirit at work in me. Whereas when I think of imitating Francis and Dominic, in his case, these thoughts left him cheerful and consoled. And he realized, wow, the Holy Spirit's encouraging me along this way. This is a way forward and upward. And I'm feeling encouragement, strength, consolation there. And the other, the other one leaves me trying dissatisfied and more focused on the self. So he continues his discernment of spirits. He shares the fruits of it with the people around him as he's heading to the Holy Land. And they are amazed. They're like, that's amazing. That's how the spirits work on me too, the good spirits and the evil spirits. He's so practical. He's such a gift to the church, St. Ignatius is, for the practicality of these, these rules in particular of discerning spirits. We have to use them all the time at my work in the seminary. We're constantly training the men to discern the spirits at work here. What are the spirits at work here? Sometimes a seminarian can get down on himself, can really exaggerate his faults or whatnot, and it it feels humble and maybe pious to him. And yet there's another spirit at work there, which is taking away his joy, keeping him from really trusting the Lord. Sometimes the, the spirit of humility thinks that like, Peter, like, don't wash my feet, Lord. Let me get my feet together first. Let me wash them, and then we'll have an encounter. 
Far be it from you to reach down into my messiness. I have this deep wound from my past life. So I think I'm doing the right thing. I need to get it fixed so that you and I can have an encounter, Lord. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. That's the wrong spirit at work there. That I need to get my life together. If Father Anthony would get his act together, then he could become intimate with the Lord. If I could just get my act together. So I'm going to work really hard, Chris. Get my act together. I'm going to try harder. And then I can really become intimate and holy with the Lord. And of course, hopefully, as I say that, you're like, something's not right here. <laughs> the thought process is attractive on one level, but we know where it leads from our own experience. We'll return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises with Father Anthony Wick in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. So where do we begin our understanding of the discernment of spirits? A critical piece of the discernment of spirits is this toggling back and forth from one side to another between consolation and desolation. Now, this is a really critical insight of St. Ignatius. So helpful. So imagine there's two angles at which we serve the Lord, either through consolation on one side and desolation from the other side. So consolation or desolation. In consolation, so he defines his terms very well, thankfully, he calls it an interior movement in which the soul is inflamed with love of its creator and Lord, and therefore it can love everything on the face of the earth in the Lord. Kind of like the principle and foundation, all things are created to praise, reverence, and service of God. I should use them insofar as they help me to praise, reverence, and serve God. So in consolation, I feel inflamed with the love of God. I want to grow in the love of God. I, I'm so grateful to be alive. I can, he says, even shed tears from love, love of my Lord, perhaps even from sorrow for my sin. So that would be even consolation, spiritual consolation we're speaking about. Spiritual consolation, I might be sorry for my sins or the passion of Christ, what he's done for me. 
I'm amazed by that. Everything leads towards the praise and service of God, though. Note that direction, that, that direction. So it's spiritual consolation. I feel buoyant. I feel an increase, he says, in the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. I'm growing in my love of the Lord. It's a wonderful experience. There's an interior joy in me. I'm more and more attracted to heavenly things and to the salvation of my soul. I'm feeling peace from our Lord. That's a wonderful experience. So that's one side of the toggling. But the other side, I can toggle to this other side. Let's let's call that the right side. I don't know. Uh, and then toggling to the left side is desolation. Now, we're always going to be back and forth between consol and consolation and desolation in our life. We cannot control staying out of desolation. You and I, Chris, there are going to be times of desolation probably not like Mother Teresa for 40 years, but that was part of her private bow to the Lord and the uniqueness of her sainthood. But there will be times, intermittent times, of you and me to go into desolation. What's going on in desolation? Let's say it's from the left angle that we're going to serve the Lord. In desolation, my soul doesn't feel as buoyant. I feel disturbances in it. I feel kind of inclined towards low and earthly things. There's something heavy about this experience. I'm not feeling a lot of faith, hope, and charity. I'm feeling kind of a loss of that. I'm feeling, he says, tepid and sad, a little lazy in my spiritual life. I feel a little separated from God. It's not a pleasurable experience at all. So this is difficult. When we're in desolation, I feel far from the Lord. It doesn't necessarily mean that I am. And the saints frankly tell us that when we're in desolation without sensible consolation in our prayer, we actually grow more than we're in sensible consolation. Now, I personally love sensible consolation. I love the Lord to just, I don't know, just give me all kinds of graces when I'm in prayer and I just feel loved on by him and buoyant. Oh, it's so wonderful. But we grow more, the saints tell us, when we are in desolation, when things feel dry and I have to stick with it. So in desolation, the key is this. Whether you were in consolation or desolation, he says in the fourth rule, the thoughts that come from consolation are the opposite of the ones that come from desolation. So what he's saying is that the primary counselor in desolation that's going to be the easiest person for me to hear is the evil spirit. Sadly, I'm most tempted to hear the evil spirit in those times. Whereas in consolation on the right side, it's easiest to hear the Holy Spirit and his inspirations. So in times of desolation, the evil spirit's going to tempt me to say, hey, give up your prayer, Father Anthony. It's not working anyway. Who are you kidding? You know, uh, the Lord doesn't love you. It's your fault. There's something wrong with you. You are bad. You're alone. Nobody gets you. Face it. The evil spirit will get me to try to give up my prayer because it doesn't feel very fruitful to give it what I'm doing or to make some major change in my life. And St. Ignatius says, do not make a change when you're in desolation because it's the evil spirit is the primary counselor. Don't listen to him. It's the evil spirit you know, who is counseling you primarily. So just stay with your same prayer that you've been doing. Don't make any major change in your life. So true it is, isn't it, Chris? When you and I are frustrated, let's say at work even, let's say we have a secular job, we have a bad day, that's where we're most tempted to say, ah, I'm done with this work. I'm going to tell the boss I'm, I'm leaving, you know, I'm. I'm done. We're tempted to do that. When we're in desolation, I've seen some Jesuit brothers who are in the novitiate and in just a bad moment and some frustration or some bad experience they have, they make their decision about their whole vocation according to that desolation, that they're, they're just going to leave. So they pick up and leave and then, wow, then they wander for some time trying to find themselves again because they made that decision out of desolation, which we should never do. And as a matter of fact, since the 
the evil spirits, our primary counselor, St. Ignatius adds, do the opposite, work against him, agere contra, to act against his inclination. So when he says, give up your penances and your fasting, Father Anthony, it's not working anyway, the Lord doesn't love you, like, what should I do? St. Ignatius says, do the opposite, do a little extra. When Satan says, like, give up your prayer, who are you fooling? You know, you do your 45 minutes of prayer or 60 minutes, whatever it is. Why are you even fooling yourself? You should do 10 minutes max, you know? Not, you're not getting anything from it. Do the opposite. Add a few extra minutes on the other side, a little more than usual. So you have to add to your examine, your, your meditation, add a little bit to your prayer and add a little bit to your penance to conquer that spirit who's so easy to hear. That evil spirit is so easy to hear when I'm in desolation over here on the left side and feeling sorry for myself. It's easy to give up and to give in to those desolating thoughts and inspirations, but I need to work against it and do the opposite. Also, when the the evil spirit's going to say, it's hopeless, you might always be in desolation, you're never going to get out of this. I remember hopeful thoughts, says St. Ignatius in the seventh rule. So I remember one, that God's left me in this trial in his natural powers. I still have my natural powers to fight. I have the power to resist different agitations and temptations of the enemy. St. Ignatius says we're never going to be tempted beyond our strength, right? That's in scripture. And so I can overcome this. I'm not fodder for Satan He's or any evil spirit. I'm just going to get crushed. Oh, no. With the, the divine help, I still have enough uh, grace to, even though I don't perceive that grace, to remain constant, to remain firm and not give in to these temptations, no matter how easy it seems uh, to do. So though the Lord has taken from me the great fervor and love and grace I was experiencing earlier in consolation, I still have plenty of grace for salvation. One critical thing here, Chris, is that I don't believe that the evil spirit causes us to go into desolation. I think sometimes the Lord is very much involved in this. So he's allowing us to move into desolation too. We'll speak about why, the reasons he allows us there. But it's going to be a strengthening experience. We need to be purified through desolation. And that's going to come up in the ninth rule here. The eighth rule, we remember that God will bring us back to consolation when God is ready. And so it says, let the, let the soul, let the person remember that he will soon be consoled. So I'll come back to consolation. I'll toggle back, toggle back to consolation. God's going to bring me back. I'm not going to be in desolation forever. And so I'm going to employ these devices against the desolation, namely more prayer, more penance to overcome that and not giving into his temptation to make a decision. And also I'm going to choose hopeful thoughts instead of desolating hopeless thoughts. All these things I'm working against. It's a tricky thing because some people, one of the translations of that phrase and literally using Elder Roland's literal translation of spiritual exercises from the Spanish, he says, let him think that's the soul that he will soon be consoled, employing against the desolation of the devices that we spoke of. Okay. But some translations render it differently. They say, once you remember that after a while, the consolation will return again through the diligent efforts against the desolation. That's a poor translation. It's not because of, I can't control this. I can't get myself back to consolation by working against the desolation. I have to wait on the Lord to bring me back into consolation when the Lord wills. I'm at the liberty of the sovereign will of God. Uh, the God I'm at the disposition of of God to bring me back to consolation when he wishes. 
So that's a that's a critical point. And in that desolation, and then I'll I'll take your thoughts here, Chris. But um, there are three reasons why we can end up in desolation, why the Lord allows us to slip over into desolation. And the first is because of our own fault. I'm not praying anymore. I'm not going to church. I maybe have some mortal sin in my life that I haven't confessed. And so through my own fault, spiritual conversation is withdrawn. Spiritual consolation is um, withdrawn from me by the Lord. Now, here's the second and third reason, though. It's not about our fault. The second is it builds our spiritual muscles. This desolation will build our spiritual muscles, not unlike like if you are weightlifting, a man weightlifting, you've got to have resistance. You've got to be lifting a barbell. If I'm just moving my arm up and down in a curl, I'm hardly going to build that muscle. But if you put a barbell in my hand and then I'm really working against gravity to lift up that weight, that's going to build my muscle, isn't it, on the physical level. And so too in the spiritual life, working against the desolation builds our spiritual muscles. What does he literally say? St. Ignatius says, that the reason we are in desolation is, is for God to try us and to see how much we are and how much we let ourselves out in his service and praise without such great pay of consolation and great graces. So in other words, God is trying us and helping us to see how much everything's a blessing from God and how we need to exercise these spiritual muscles to be strengthened. So it's, it's um a strengthening of our spiritual muscles towards the service and praise of God. So for instance, people confess to me, perhaps like I don't go to, I missed a few masses on Sunday, Father. And, and I may ask, why did you miss mass on Sunday? And they could say, well, I was tired or I wasn't feeling it. There was a special game or my granddaughter had a, had a special event. And, and that's when I speak into that with the, the attitude of, you know, we should go to mass on Sundays especially when we don't feel like it, because that pleases the Lord even more. He knows we weren't feeling like it. That's where you really build your your spiritual muscles when you don't feel like it. It's not feeling good. It's not pleasurable to go to Mass. It's not pleasurable to pay attention to this homily. What a great way to build our spiritual muscles is to, to push back against the resistance. But it's the resistance that actually creates muscles. So, so there's the second reason. And the third is to really form our mind to recognize that everything is grace. Whenever I'm in consolation over here on the right side, let's say, praising the Lord, everything is grace. And so when I'm in desolation, it reminds me that, wow, that was all grace when I was in consolation last. That wasn't because I'm an amazing guy. I'm an amazing priest, amazing religious. It was all grace. St. Ignatius literally says this. The third reason is to give us true acquaintance and knowledge that we may interiorly feel it is not ours to get or keep great devotion intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolation, but that it is all the gift and grace of God our Lord, and that we may not build a nest in a things not ours, in a thing not ours, raising our intellect into some pride or vainglory, attributing to us devotion or other things of the spiritual consolation. So he says, don't build your nest in the things of another. In other words, that's God's gift to you. If I'm in consolation, feeling flooded with his graces, it's not because Father Anthony's amazing. It's because God's incredibly merciful and giving and prodigal and loving and generous in his bounty. So I'm just rejoicing in that bounty of the Lord. So when I'm in desolation, it reminds me that, hey, last time I was in consolation and the next time I will be in consolation, that's pure gift. So it's a mind training that all this grace, all this gifts. So if I'm feeling buoyant in the Lord, wow, blessed am I 
and it's a blessing from above. So don't build your nest in the things of another. Incidentally, I sometimes use this to do a little extension of that rule saying, if you and I get caught in somebody else's stuff, I get, um, I'm obsessed about what a, some other person in my life should or shouldn't be doing or whatnot. I'm starting to build my nest in the things of another. And I can kind of fall into desolation that way too, that I get caught up in someone else's stuff. You know, I'm really worried about your situation, Chris, and I get caught up in what you should or shouldn't be doing. And so much so, I start start playing God there a little bit, and I could fall into desolation partly through that too. I'm getting off track of what the Lord wants to do with me, and I'm getting caught up in somebody else's stuff. So those are the the three reasons why we fall into desolation, and you can see how there is a freedom to in both consolation and desolation. Consolation to rejoice in the love of the Lord, to be buoyant, to just exude glory back to God for the way He's loving on me right now. And I feel that love. And even in desolation to praise the Lord. I'm building my spiritual muscles. It's training my mind that, wow, last time I was in consolation, that was pure gift. So Lord, I'm glad to give you something back. To be honest, Chris, when I'm in desolation, which I am sometimes, I feel like it's kind of nice to be able to give something back to the Lord. He's so ridiculously prodigal with me. He's so ridiculously blessed, uh, full of blessings for me. It's nice to have a chance sometimes in my life to give something back. Even when it doesn't feel good, you know, I'd be like, okay, Lord, now's my time to love you back. I know it doesn't feel good. I know you're even giving me the grace to love you back. But it's it's kind of nice to be able to offer you something back and to stay faithful to my prayer, even when it feels really dry. And I have to say, even when I'm making it through a dry prayer, Chris, by the end of the prayer, I actually feel quite differently. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, okay, there was nothing to my prayer that I could say, oh yeah, Chris, here, here are my insights. I don't feel like I have anything to offer you if you ask me, okay, Father Anthony, how did that burden? I would say, I have nothing really to share. But on some deeper level, I feel like it was right though. It was good to do that with the Lord, to just be there in his presence. Maybe I couldn't sense him at all, but I know that he's loving on me. I know that he's loving on me there. And that's enough. If it pleases his heart that I'd be in a dry place, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The words of Job. We'll continue our conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. This episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick.